All rights were gotten before this podcast production, and all rights that were not gotten completely with consent are reworded to avoid plagiarism. The following is a monologue, and by no means defamation. The Esther Center for Rehabilitation, which is in fact a rehab center based on Catholic productive religiosity and not a governmental ideology that where we give a ton of drug paraphernalia to known drug users, thereby destroying an entire town beyond repair, which I guess to a large amount of Democrats appears to be what small and rather large towns were made for, which might also be the Democrats' interpretation of the biblical text in Genesis, referred to as multiply and subdue the earth, has been accused of performing exorcisms due to the fact that they are Catholic, and that's a Catholic attribute that most people who hate Catholic beliefs do not atone for, while they also accuse them of using gay conversion therapy to convert people who have homosexual feelings in the form of actually trying to comfort people and steer them away from sinful sexual-related desires people have, which the Australian government, CNN, and every other form of global news media who isn't conservative means forming into some sort of dark ages rioting, or perhaps that was just the Dungeons and Dragons fan fiction that the Australian government enjoys reading on and off all the time, why they're busy saying Catholics enjoy having dungeons of torture they don't have as long as they refuse to put up a, a flag of homosexuality due to their Catholic beliefs. Of course, the reason why the rehab center is getting these accusations is due to the fact that as soon as someone discloses their religious belief to turn away from homosexual lifestyles, like a large amount of religions and a large amount of cults that the left doesn't know exist or acts as though they don't exist, but simply brings up John 3.16 out of context, the first action that has to be necessary is the instantaneous persecution from a financial standpoint, since traditional Catholics stand against the urge to dress up like an animal at a gay bar and other forms of degenerate sin, which for some reason is one of the biggest temptations for people all over the place because of TikTok. Like most people who don't allow Catholics to simply live out their faith without persecution, which might ring some bells for its truth for the rest of the world, mostly of whom who dress up in homemade prayer stoles that look like that blanket your grandma left in the basement for seven generations, but somehow also looks like a costume from Spirit Halloween. After the funding was announced, the pseudo-Catholics band together in an email chain entitled We're All Catholics But We're Not Fans, which might be the title of Oprah Winfrey's new book, messaging back and forth their ideas of how to stop this true Catholic ministry rehab center from functioning, such as changing the key lock somehow, which they actually did after their polygamous relationships five times a day all at once, asking the Dodgers if they would like to be involved, doing a DDoS attack against everyone who's conservative, but then of course they decided to go with the accusation that all Catholic associations and churches are doing the same levels of torture towards homosexuality as the mid-1300s, while the majority of people in church put up the gay flag and scream if you don't comply. They also stated, that there was just absolutely no way true Catholic faith could be displayed, and that there was absolutely no way that any form of correct Christianity could be displayed unless the Pope decides to elevate a black Catholic priest, which happens all the time, or unless there are more gender identity concepts written into the Bible, even though they don't belong. But on top of everything else, they made sure not to elevate the idea that you could simply have normal therapy like most people go to in their mid-30s, 40s, or 50s, similar to an indie movie from 2003, and nothing like a medieval torture chamber, although that one is the preferred to be rumored and referenced, although it's only found in Spirit Halloween for $500 and made entirely out of plastic. According to the ANAO, which might as well be renamed People Against Catholics since the doctors can't decide, found that there were 
at the very least 100 words in support of the funding after it was already approved with majority support, which is the same amount of words that most people in high school can write nowadays out of an entire week because of TikTok. While the report of a caregiver at the facility, which by the ANAO means to apply the imagery of Nacho Libre in a comedic way while also causing them to cancel themselves in the process, the worker mentions occurrences where she would pray for a woman while she was literally convulsing on the floor as soon as prayers were started. She then added a portion where she mentions that although she's a nun, she does not believe in the existence of demons, which was a line added by the Luciferian temple, who is also on the email chain where the Luciferian temple mentioned that those who hate Catholics need not worry because Doja Cat is unfortunately still a recording artist making music videos. Germany has also, in combination with Doja Cat's music videos, has decided for the thousandth time to be controversial and as controversial as possible in a recent choice to bless homosexual couples following a recent choice to stand against the biblical standards of the rest of the Catholic faith, which of course is something that they tend to do a large amount of time. And, of course, against the Pope, who can't make up his mind about the subject because he already made up his mind with the unbiblical conclusion. The Pope has said for many years and for many of the past couple months that homosexuality is not Catholic, but it's not illegal, which is the conclusion that most people come to who didn't realize the Vatican was an actual thing, but are much more acquainted with the fact that Cedar Point is definitely still in Ohio for some reason, and that you can get a large slushie for only $50, meaning that if the Catholic Church doesn't agree with the non-Catholic German worship in the same process adapted by Babylonian, Greek, Persian, and the whole of the Roman Empire, that it could mean that the whole entire world could definitely come to an end. And this, of course, is one of the most problematic situations in America today. They also reiterated the fact that the top thrill dragster is, of course, still at Cedar Point, and it's surprisingly the name of a roller coaster from 2011 and not the name of a drag show taking place literally anywhere in the world today. This is the Cult Exclusive Podcast Show on Spotify, Anchor, and other platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show today. Make sure you subscribe on Spotify, and that will tell you when I am making more podcast productions. You will also get view of my subscriber content material, as well as being able to know exactly when all my short episodes and other long episodes, including guest-exclusive episodes, to be released right to your phone. There's also a strange chance and a small possible slight chance that you may in fact be called to serve in the Roman Empire or the current Roman governmental armed forces. But of course, all men think about that today anyways, so we were all basically preparing for it. Also make sure you rate the show and that will allow me to be able to uh, be able to talk to more people uh, out and about about religious liberty, religious freedom, religious news, and cult history. So we begin today with a very, very back and forth story. The Vatican Bank has recently denied to receiving funds directly straight from Russia, and this is mostly allegations from Zelensky all the way back over in Ukraine. Basically the full extent of it is that 
obviously in America we as a democratic society and with the left basically leading every single type of institution today as we will talk about in a second with Australia and their democratic policies fighting Catholics over and over and over and over and over again but due to the whole Zelensky issue in between Russia and the Ukrainian war the Vatican has been accused of receiving funds directly from Russia and this is essentially due to past history of the Vatican to have money laundering schemes and actual real money laundering going on and there's a fabulous book on this called the Vatican exposed now I don't sit here and say oh yeah well I you know hate Catholics or anything I'm pretty much Catholic myself but even as a Catholic it is a good eye-opening book to see when religious practices go awry and religious issues tend to occur when it comes to doing things in the background and doing things in secret so it says after a close aid to Ukrainian president this is this from religious news service after a close aid to Ukrainian president Zelensky accused Pope Francis of being a Russophile and a Vatican and, and the Vatican of receiving Russian funds the Catholic Church issued a statement denying the accusations on Sunday September 10th the IOR does not receive or invest money from Russia read a statement by the Institution of Religious Works using the Italian acronym IOR for the institution more commonly referred to as the Vatican Bank. The IOR strongly rejects the allegations uh, strongly rejects the allegations of the counselor according to whom the IOR would be investing Russian money. The Vatican ins insisted the institution only provides final financial services to Catholic organizations and has held to the highest possible international standards. So of course the reason here why they're directionally challenging this is because of past uh, recent history primarily in the mid 1940s where the Vatican and the book talks about this as well the Vatican very much so as long uh, at, uh, at the same time as say uh, Ford and other companies was actually in line uh, with Hitler at some point in the mid-1940s, the Vatican did receive a large uh, quotient of money from the Nazis. And of course, this is obviously a very institutionally stupid thing to do. And it's very institutionally stupid, both on the reason that the Nazis were horrible people, but also just giving the Vatican as a whole uh, the wrong relationships. And therefore, giving people today the wrong vibe as... The younger individuals say when it comes to Catholicism and the rest of society. Now there also has been recent uh, instigations of having other bad relationships such as very famously well-known gangsters in the mid-80s. Essentially they were using the secrecy of the Vatican Bank in order to dispose funds and uh, launder, mo uh, launder money all over the place like some sort of you know John Wick styled uh, background criminalized organization that is a thing that did happen and probably still continues to happen but really this is the main thing that most people don't actually want to be referenced by when they are Catholic themselves they don't sit there and fully ignore it and of course a lot of people don't exactly look at it as something that you know always substantially occurs every 45 seconds either it's it's not something that the Vatican 100% stands for and it's been denounced numerous times on numerous 
specific occasions, but of course it probably does happen in the background of secrecy, unfortunately, but I would deem that the majority of the time it's actually people, as we'll see later in a second, too, going directionally against uh, the Pope, especially in the Pope of recent years, as with you know the many Benedicts who have been Pope, they didn't stand for this type of thing occurring. And obviously just having the Roman Catholic Church go against you know, the grain when it comes to morals and just upkeep themselves with all of this leftist political agenda, it, it makes it more likely to launder money. It, it really does, because if you notice from politics, the left always adheres to, say, the instance of strip clubs and institutionalized you know, sexual clubs out there. That's basically all that happens at those places. Not only is it super dirty, not that I've been there, I never have and I never will, but not only is it super dirty and stingy and just a place that normal people don't go to to have fun, pretty much the only thing that ever happens there by the terminology and, and by the literal title of the buildings themselves, it's just nothing but money launder. Why is it that people tend to institutionalize sex work as a good thing, but at the same time institutionalize that the Vatican's horrible for having bad money connections? Legitimately, people should be getting just as mad at strip clubs as they do at the Vatican literally all the time. Another strange thing to note here is that after doing research for about 30 seconds and you see exactly how the laws work particularly in Russia when it comes to people getting caught in uh, prostitution actually criminally being charged for prostitution either they will be charged the legitimate equivalent uh, to the USD currency of exactly 15 or upwards of $20 which is outrageous but they might be arrested for, get this, 15 whole months. 15. Maybe even less. And that, that's obviously not, that's obviously not a good enough punishment. Especially depending on what the prostitution is, it's not a good punishment whatsoever. Really, if you get caught for something like that, you should go to jail at a minimum of 20 years. At a minimum. Or longer. But at a minimum 20 because that would assuredly make it so that people won't want to do that action ever again and they'll actually be in this sense uh, scared under the good authority that that is over them versus a government that simply wants people to take part in such an action I mean j just reclarifying that can someone exactly answer exactly why the punishment for doing something illegal in Russia as bad as literal trafficking is $20. And yet $20 is like the same amount of money to get into strip clubs today. Why exactly is that? How does that make any sense in the slightest way? Not only does that need to change, our full focus on the practice needs to be changed in a way where it should just completely be illegalized. Because not only are people getting exposed to this type of thing at younger and younger and younger ages, but it does nothing for society. It does nothing for society but take advantage of people and even promote mental unhealth and mental unwellness.
That's all it literally does. Also at the same time, just furthermore touching on this institutionalized scenario, why is it that Ukraine is accusing Pope Francis and the whole of the Vatican with Russian ties in this way, and yet at the same time, Pope Francis has legitimately stated in the past couple months that he is secret. He is secretly sending. I think wasn't it called secret envoys to help Ukraine? Basically, secret aides out in the open to aid in the Ukrainian war. And still, Zelensky is putting forth the scenario where they're just aiding on Russian advances. That's all he's saying. Well, it's clearly because the whole of America is all in on helping the Ukrainian war at this current time, even though it technically isn't our war specifically, although it's horrible. But Zelensky basically wants everyone to help him, even, even if they already are helping him. And politically, as other commentators out there, more politically based than myself, have said, Zelensky has done not exactly the greatest things in his past as other people in the Ukraine political system. It's, it's very, very corrupt over there. And it's literally just as corrupt as strip clubs today, essentially. And the term Russophile basically has other inclinations to it. Basically what he's also referencing there is the sexual crimes that have been committed by the Roman Catholic Church. It's basically what he's saying. He's saying, you did all of these sex crimes in the Roman Catholic Church, and also you're supporting Russia. So he's equating supporting Russia to the sex crimes, which obviously is a hardcore, a very hardcore attack. Now, judging from this, most people in America that even know that this is going on, most people would just, of course, be on board with the Ukrainians. And obviously... It is good to be against horrific war that's currently going on over there. I'm not pushing for that war to be good because it isn't whatsoever. But most people already are attacking every single aspect of religiosity. So if you attack every single aspect of religiosity, it's going to be pretty damn hard to come to a good conclusion. People not only have to realize that religion is expressively and excessively important but you have to be on the right side of religiosity exclusively and of course that side is not the side of taking advantage of literally everyone that exists which obviously is what our current state or our current state of society continues to do literally every five minutes now let's get to our other stories so this, of course, happens time and time again. You get all of your favorite bros and favorite sisters in Christ and favorite friends, and you get them together, and you're going to chill and relax and have a couple of beers and just hang out on a weekend. But of course, you'll go to all these other retail stores, and all you see is Bud Light lining all of the aisles. And of course, if you haven't been living under a rock, you'll know exactly what they support. 
And that's why if you want to stand against trans ideology and stand against the left's ideologies, but still at the same time enjoy a great, amazing beer, go online to Ultra Right Beer Company. And Ultra Right Beer Company promotes, as the name, sta as the name states, policies that are not in line with the left, so you are not knowingly or in most senses unknowingly giving your money to leftist ideologies. You can enjoy great beer, great friends, great family, and a good time, while at the same time standing against the left. So go online and order beer today, and they also have a lot of exclusive and extensive IPAs available. So this came across my desk recently, and I found it this past week, and it's also from the RNS Religious News Service, and this is basically a response from everyone nowadays who is in uh, religiosity and specifically in ministry for about 45 seconds, everyone will experience this and everyone will feel like the whole entirety of the world is against them. Of course, similar to the actual Jesus Christ when he did his ministry within the world and similar to all of those other apostles out there who actually ended up becoming martyrs and dying. From the RNS, Alex Lane thought he was done with the pastorate for good. On Sunday, August 27th, Lane bid farewell to the Congregation of First Presbyterian Church in Arlington Heights, Illinois, where he served for a decade. His final sermon done, Lane sat down and typed out some thoughts on why he left not only First Presbyterian, but the pastorate altogether. Lane posted that essay a few days later on his website, thinking his few hundred regular readers might be interested. He was partially right, and his regular readers were interested, and so were about 350,000 of Lane's colleagues. Lane's essay entitled Why I Left the Church went viral and prompted a national conversation among clergy about the pressures of the profession and how they talk about those pressures. Over coffee and in Facebook posts and denomination offices, Lane's essay became the topic du jour for clergy around the country. Some resonated with his concerns, while others saw his leaving as a lack of faith. I've done more than 50 articles, said 43-year-old Lang, during an interview at his church outside of Chicago. Usually, nobody cares. So, the whole proponing factor there, nobody cares, is obviously something that you experience right away in ministry, especially when it comes to giving sermons. You can give a sermon in a completely biblical fashion, in a completely perfected fashion, and you'll still get you know, that hardened Catholic, that hardened Nazarene, that hardened whatever in Christianity, and they'll attack you right away. And really, people attacking you about ministry in general is something expected, because obviously Christ didn't say it would be easy. But this is a knowing concern, and really, in, in most cases, an unknown concern when people first step into ministry. This is why for all of those news articles out there when you see NFL superstars suddenly being Christians and suddenly being ministers stepping out of the sports world as well as NBA superstars as well as say anyone else whether podcasters like myself or perhaps they do martial arts they're suddenly a Christian uh, pastor now due to a religious conversion experience, some sort of other experience. This is why you see a stalemate of people that do not jump into ministry right away and hardly ever jump into ministry. And if they do, 
it's it, it becomes a huge news story because generally it is so hard and extremely difficult to be a minister and have say two or three nonprofits and one profit organization all combined to have a full combination of a ministry endeavor that reaches people. This normally is extremely hard to do and it takes at the very least probably 30 to 50 years. And, and it normally doesn't happen. Most people uh, fall into the path of thinking that they're gonna be a religious leader or preferably a Christian Catholic leader to an extent and then they just either fall into temptation, they get exposed for it and it destroys them, or they just realize how financially difficult it is. And there's really something to say about that because all over history, all throughout Christian Catholicism and Christianity in America today, you can't really find a scenario where people didn't struggle, didn't have extreme financial stress. In fact, look at the 11, 12, and 1300s where there's just an endless amount of monks and Catholic monks and world famous individuals such as the eventual John Wesley who wasn't exactly a monk per se specifically I don't think but there's a number of prominent people throughout history and they literally had no money that's the problem with religiosity today people only focus on the factor that you know, th there's a lot of statements out there that say, well, religion is the best business. And they say, well, as soon as you open your temple or your version of church or your building that does such and such and such and such, that you'll magically have $40 billion. It'll be a booming industry. But the reality is that's only a booming industry when it's wrong, if you didn't already notice. For instance, expecting religion to be a booming business when it's correct it's like getting all of your ethical basis directly from Hollywood it doesn't work in any way shape or form it never has worked and it never will you'll just end up getting the absolute wrong theology every single time and we keep seeing that over and over with the United Methodist Church or as I like to say United Methodist Church as they steep more and more and more and more down a homosexual path and down basically every sinful path known to the world. There's one thing here. I've It says, I've done more than 50 articles. So exactly how have you written 50 articles that have all been successful? And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, now for you, all of a sudden, you just give up. 50 articles is a lot, and just based on my experience with college and going through all this history, historicity and theological studies, articles are not short most of the time. Most of the time when I wrote things, it was at least 10 pages or more, which is just simply an extreme stress when you're already dealing with everything you're dealing with in your spiritual walk as an example. It's an extreme stress. So why would you write 50 articles that were all best-selling, to, to be frank, and then all of a sudden just give in and self-destruct? Why exactly is that? I mean, you're not wrong when you say over coffee in the face with posts and denominational offices 
it becomes the main subject of clarity around the country. You're not wrong when you say that because the whole entirety of social media is always against Christians and Catholics. It's always against them. And it never will not be. The whole entire history would show you that the only process of ministry is suffering for the right reasons, not suffering for the wrong ones. Because generally when you have wrong reasons to suffer, you're not actually genuinely suffering. You really just suffer for the right reasons if you're suffering at all. It says, his more recent essay became a blank slate for people to write their own experiences on. Many of those experiences are diffi difficult as pastors have been burnt out caring for people's souls amid, amid the decline of organized religion known as the Great De-Churching in the aftermath of the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, yes. If you haven't already realized that, yeah, we are having a Great De-Churching. But the reality is that we will slowly but surely have proper churching. And one way to look at this is de-churching is somewhat positive because the wrong churches closed down and the right churches are raised up. Because generally, having a improper church and a wrong church and going to that church, you know, whatever church it is, church in California, church in some sort of wrong theological denomination, don't get me wrong, there's churches in California that are United Methodist and Free Methodist and non-denominational, and some of them are very ethically up there and accurate when it comes to theology. But for the most part, you're just going to get wrong ideology. So it's a positive way to look at the pandemic. But also, there's the realistic attribute that God controls the pandemic, not the governments. And the governments shouldn't control the pandemic. If we serve a God who created disease or or from the other theological viewpoint that disease came forth and was created as a midst of humanity deciding to choose the wrong opportunity and the wrong ideology, then you can look to it to know that the one true God will not allow COVID to completely destroy the church. This, in a sense, from this article is basically a scare article, trying to disassimilate the correct churches and just de-church and de-churchify the entirety of the world, if you will. Of course, thinking to this, you can think about all the other individuals out there, say, such as Joshua Harris and others who used to be prominent pastoral speakers, but then just falling into either homosexuality or falling into just every single type of action non-Christian. And, and when I think about it, I, I never really read uh, Kissing Dan Goodbye. Maybe I read the opener and then I honestly didn't like the title because it, it had the title on it in a way as if dating wasn't supposed to happen. And that was, in a way, one of the premises of the book. Of, cor of course, it's it was meant to function with the uh, uh, motif of marriage being a necessary thing, but it just wasn't as straightforward with how uh, that thing was intended to occur. Of course, you have to figure out, are, are you meaning to, in essence, court into marriage? Or are you meaning to just be completely desocialized and or, or not, n not be social with other Christians? You have to make that 
you have to make that that factor known are you going to court seriously or do you just want dating to be non-essential and non-existent because obviously in every culture it's exist to some sort of in some sort of state of mind it, it exists in some sort of way in a sense that whole entire book kiss dating goodbye technically and, and i and i even thought about this but when when it was a thing and before i even started the show that it could possibly be the whole title could have possibly been him struggling with his sexual identity of course that's a gift that god gifted me with before and I, and, I, and i don't want to abuse that but whenever someone has a struggle of course obviously here when it comes to people dealing with not enough uh, ministry people coming alongside them it's probably best to have someone come alongside you before you write about that subject and of course I, I'm not on board I'm not on board with Reverend Alex Lane here I'm not on board with what he's doing because he basically could just essentially retire why not just simply retire and step back why, why does he have to essentially say, oh yeah, um, I'm leaving the whole of the Presbyterian denomination and I'm leaving ministry, just forget all of it. Why not just simply retire? There has to be more spiritually here than just leaving. Because leaving, often when people say, I'm leaving Christianity, that essentially means you're completely leaving the religious belief system you're completely leaving the ethical ethical conclusions you're completely leaving everything you can't just simply step back you can't just simply step back from christianity and apparently you can't just simply retire you have to leave 100 percent. and this is what the world wants i'm honestly completely in favor of say if someone was a reverend and they leave christianity in a sense, they don't retire, they don't, they don't step back from it. They say they leave Christianity because they, they aren't feeling like they're being supported. Of course, they should be supported, but if they leave and give up, then you should also remove their reverend uh, title. Because with, with the reality of it, if you're no longer a reverend, then you're just simply no longer a reverend. You can always come back to that, and of course it might be harsh, but this is how the creation of, you know, wrongful reverence are created. Either step back, remove the reverend from your name, or have reverend always be there, simply retire, and state that you no longer work in ministry and pursue something else. In no way, shape, or form does history just comply with us when it comes to doing things in an ungodly way or a godly way. If you, or maybe I should re, re, uh, reword that. Nothing, nothing at all in general when it comes to spirituality on the evil side cares about you. Either you are going to be completely lost to nihilism, which possibly Reverend Alex Lane is here, or you will simply stand strong and be 
to the uttermost extent persecuted. And when you're a Christian, you should expect that. Whether you have reverend tied to your name or not. So recently, with completely perfect timing, just uh, in wake of the MSU coach deciding to do what he did, which was extremely stupid, probably one of the stupidest things I've ever heard a football coach to ever do, as for some reason a lot of world famous people do both in secret and just because they're famous, I guess. The football coach who got his job back after the Supreme Court ruled he could pray on the field has resigned and he has not resigned randomly like the Reverend has he has not resigned because he decided to you know take a vi victory lap uh, after just one game and just you know scream in the face of the court and say haha gotcha I won anything like that he essentially has uh, stepped back and actually stepped back here from his coaching privileges due to the fact that he has to care for an ailing, an ailing family member out of state. Which of course is a very, very good reason to have to step back from that type of job entitlement. So essentially, all of media is basically praising and worshiping this. They're basically saying, yes, 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 the dude who won the court case is stepping back. Therefore, Let's remove religious freedom from everyone else. That's essentially what they're saying, because from the AP, it has said that uh, there were, uh, find it here, it says school district officials, literally both when, both when this was going on and after when he stepped down. School district officials ha had asked him to keep any on-field praying non-demonstrative or apart from students saying that they were concerned that tolerating his public post-game prayers would suggest governmental endorsement of religion in violation of the separation of church and state. In violation of separation of church and state. What? What do you mean in violation of the separation of church and state? And of course, what is going on here with the AP is that that isn't a thing. People want to say it's a thing, but it 100% is not a governmental stated attribute that people actually follow. That is when it comes to freedom of religion. That's obviously the back and forth debate when it comes to freedom of religion, church and state. It might as well just be that completely in face debate. Because people want to say, that separation of church and state is straightforward. It should happen. If, you, if you're if you not endorsing it, then you're a moron. But really, if you do endorse it, that that's when you're the moron. Matter of fact, after, after the court case, after the court case, okay, he's still asked to not have any on-field praying. Wh what? So even after a whole entire court rules that's fine, he's still being attacked. And again, going back to religious freedom and persecution when it comes to a true religious statement, he's still being attacked for this.
He's still 100% having everyone at his throat. Just imagine how crazy that is. Just imagine for a second that, that you're in his shoes. Imagine you literally telling someone, I have to go and care for an ailing family member. I have to go care for them. I have to step back for a moment. Or you just simply say, hey, I have to get out of this job. Unfortunately, I have to care for, you know, my mom or dad that's passing away, something like that. They're in hospice, whatever it is. Imagine you stating that to your employer. And then your employer, their only response to that is, okay, uh, so just so you know, just, just don't pray around the workplace. How backwards is that? How backwards do you have to be exactly? The real deal he here is that that would not stand in any single state of mind when it comes to religiosity. Do no one would do that in any single part of the world. No one would do that in India. No one would do that in Jamaica. No one would do that in Britain. No one would do that absolutely anywhere. Just doing that is a violation of your rights because you're straightforwardly attacking someone for their religious beliefs while they're suffering with an ailing parent. It is one of the most outrageous things that can possibly happen. People get mad enough when, say, they're homosexual and you're actually, you know, judging on the base of sexual orientation as a result to get fired from their job or something like that. People would already be upset at that. But this? You, you don't even care about someone's ailing family member and you just want them to shut up about their religion? Not even, not, not even the UFC does that. Dana White has said keep your religion at home, but he doesn't exactly... You know, you know, he wouldn't come up to the microphone and say, Oh, your grandma's dying? Cool. Just just don't talk about Catholicism. Uh, see you later. He wouldn't say that, so why are these people saying that? It's one of the most violating things I've ever seen. And just for saying that, those people should lose their jobs. Those people should be sued. By themselves. In any sense of the, and it was a seven-year legal battle. Seven-year legal battle just for that. They should lose their jobs instantaneously, just for saying statements like that. But of course, on the same side of that, just, just, just don't do, just don't do what the MSU coach did. Don't do what all of those other, you know, against religious freedom people would do. Just don't. Because quite honestly, they're acting as if the court system doesn't exist. <sighs> all right, where are we at here? Uh, yeah, so, so, as I said before, the Catholic Rehabilitation Center has been going back and forth with the government of Australia of the ANIIO. I think that's what it was. Yeah, my, my computer decided to delete all my notes, so I'm doing this all 
uh, free will free vamping right now but essentially the Australian government is going right against this Catholic rehab based facility on the proponing factor that they're just literally specifically Catholic that's basically the only reason of course similar to the whole Vatican Bank story they are going off of the instantaneous conclusion that there has been abuse involved and apparently there have been about three, four, five people that have come forward saying that the abuse is occurring. But interestingly, most of those people do not work at the facility. One of them was there, and everyone else basically wasn't, so it's, it's kind of strange and shady going on over there. It's kind, of, it's kind of strange. But one of the most crazy, and, and, I, and I mentioned this in the monologue, but one of the craziest aspects of this is that they are simply attacking them on the basis of their Catholicism. Again, similar to the whole instance with the football coach that happened for that seven years of time, they're legitimately attacking them just on the basis of their Catholicism. And of course, just like anyone else would who hates Catholicism, they're diving into all the details specifically that are you know the scariest about Catholicism when it comes to exorcisms and prayers are not just simply looking at us oh oh they're praying we got to be afraid of them they're looking at the scariest part of Catholicism uh, that 100% happens that is the ideology and instance and instances of exorcism so essentially there were multiple instances of of real exorcisms that were taking place but they, they, as far as, as far as uh, most people have reported on it, there weren't necessarily, you know, something that you would see in a horror film exactly, and that's often how it happens today. There's not exactly, you know, movie takes on it that happen most of the time, like The Conjuring, where you're in a dark basement, and you know, someone throws like a tennis ball around the room, and no one's there. It's not exactly scary instances like that necessarily but just as equally equally scary instances when it comes to people actually being influenced there was the only account that wants to be mentioned or that people want to mention in the article a woman would have convulsions as someone was praying over her concerning uh, feeling homosexual feelings and of course, by Catholic history, this this is a real type of exorcism that tends to happen, specifically for homosexuality-related feelings. And obviously, this is how a lot of people get offended. And when you just simply say, "Oh uh, yeah, so I don't agree with that," I don't agree with that. If if you say you don't agree with Catholicism, everyone worships you. And if you say that you don't agree with homosexuality, well, the whole entire world is against you. And right now, the whole entire world is against this Catholic rehab center. And basically what would occur is this uh, Catholic woman would pray for this individual, and she would convulse on the floor. And when, of course, when people get offended, they don't. They don't want you to even mention homosexuality in a bad light, but this is the reality of it. 
and I've experienced instances of this too where just one earthly thing that people tend to worship can in fact cause these types of things to happen which is why it's so insanely important that your ethics are in the right place and that your worship is in the right place a lot of people in church nowadays they don't want to they don't want to act as if a simple statue or a simple thing can promote evil but it very well can and some people in the church say well well that statue that luciferian statue can't actually do anything but whether or not it actually causes stuff to happen causes actual conjurings to take place which it does even if it didn't it still stands for horrific evil it still stands for it ethically still at in every single respect in every single way it stands for something that shouldn't happen literally every single person can look at about five seconds of what those types of actions mean and it's nothing but violent sacrifice it's nothing but violent evil that's the only thing it is and in America today people will say oh well we have respect for everyone we have respect for all religion we have respect for all culture we have respect for everything that is one of the most graphically violently horrible things that every living human being can look at for two seconds and think wow that's not an ethical thing to worship alongside of obviously Babylonian and Persian and Greek and all these other related cultures out there Satanism which of course is what what is being direct directionally battled in this type of situation is the darkest horrific evil of all time and yet people still worship it as I said before Hollywood worships it everyone basically worships it this is a direct stance against that and people are acting as if Catholicism is the evil one now as I said before it's it's very weird it's very weird and again I haven't actually done I'll admit that I haven't actually done a full background check of the lady necessarily from the article I haven't exactly looked into it specifically but it is weird how she says that she doesn't exactly believe in demons how how is that work exactly how is it that you're praying against demons that you don't believe in that makes zero sense that does not make any solitary sense at all that's that's literally directionally the opposite of the Bible you have to believe in it in order to really battle it so why why in the actual world would she say that well I'm just going on a fly here and saying that she does believe in demons and that she is an actual Catholic individual because the whole viewpoint of the entirety of this article is trying to make Catholics look bad obviously so so this in of itself should not even be legal to do should've, you should have actually interviewed her because it's pretty clear that you didn't and and if you want to actually see how evil this type of stuff is and I don't want anyone to do this but you'll see very very quickly how important Christian Catholicism is the millisecond that you dive into any of that stuff and as I said before at the beginning of the show if you do stuff right you're going to instantaneously have probably at the first 
at the first hand, you'll have spiritual warfare against you, and at the second hand, you'll have financial issues come against you. And of course, even though that right now it's just a part of the Australian government, it's definitely going to be the whole of the Australian government very soon, most, most likely. Now, I'm not, of course, saying that I hate Australia or I hate the Australian government. They just have to 100% change their ethical conclusional standpoint. I, I would not be surprised if Australia is one of the places very, very soon to actually outlaw Christianity because of this. And in all comical ways, of course, which is what I was meaning by the monologue beforehand, all of the comical attributes aside, this is very serious. Outlawing praying of, of any kind that's related to Christian Catholicism, outlawing any kind of attribute that's actual, real Christian Catholic faith, is not only one of the signs of the end times, but it's one of the signs that your politics and your government is not going in the right direction. If you're like me, and you drink coffee literally all the time, then you definitely need Black Rifle Coffee because a lot of other coffee companies out there just like to endorse leftist politics at the same time, and this is not all of them, but perhaps they're not even really that strong of coffee. You need Black Rifle Coffee because at times it is extremely strong and it's one of those great coffee companies to actually wake you up in the morning instead of having a crappy mediocre coffee making you not want to be at work. Try the AK-47 Dark Roast and their other coffee flavors today by going online at Black Rifle Coffee Company. And even better yet, they were started by a ex-military service member who is making all the other, uh, giving all the other uh, service members support as well as supporting the Second Amendment. Go online to their website and order a multitude of the coffee flavors today. So I have to get to this last story very, very quickly. Also from the AP, Catholic priests bless same-sex couples in defiance of a German archbishop. Now essentially, Germany was one of the more so people in Catholic history to stand fervently against homosexuality. And it's not very, it's not very surprising here that the German archbishop would be completely against it. Uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, Germany has some of the strongest politics against homosexuality. So this should be something that they should obviously note to be a very back-and-forth political thing and a very back-and-forth debate within that environment. Several Catholic priests held a ceremony blessing same-sex couples outside Colony Cathedral on Wednesday night in a protest against the city's conservative archbishop, Cardinal Rainier Maria Wilkie. Their protest was triggered by Colony Church officials' criticism of a priest from Metamen, a town near Dusseldorf, who in March had held a blessing ceremony for lovers, including same-sex couples. Blessing ceremony for lovers. That is one of the interesting, one of the most interesting ways to put that. Well, I mean, that is a heavy, that is, that should be a critique. 
that should be a critique of the Catholic Church. If that isn't a critique, then it, then you might as well refer to it as the United Methodist Church. And all honesty, blessing ceremony for lovers. That 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 that, that almost sounds like a leftist club in of itself. Blessing ceremony for lovers. Pretty much no one has really said the terminology of lovers in a long time anyway. And, and it's a, it's actually something that Catholics don't tend to say at all. They, they do the specific courting, they do all of those processes. They have to go through the very specific marriage uh, rites when it comes to the Catholic Church. So blessing ceremony for lovers, uh, including same-sex couples, of course would be a completely backwards ideology and their backwards action. Of course, I think, I directionally think, that this is the unfortunate start of something big. That triggering first in the Catholic Church is going to be the Catholic Church dealing with this after the United Methodists have already dealt with it and the Presbyterian churches have already dealt with it. But later on, it's going to be the Catholic Church going through this whole process and the reformed church is going to get attacked with it and then the nazarene church is going to get attacked with it and pretty soon all churches will have to have this decision and this choice whether or not to choose the whole homosexuality decision or choose actual biblical christianity now the blessing of same-sex couples as referred to by the AP on Wednesday was the latest sign of rebellion of the progressive believers in Germany's most populous dossier with about 1.8 million members. Several hundred people showed up for the outdoor blessing service for same-sex and also heterosexual couples waving rainbow flags they sing the Beatles hit All You Need Is Love, DPA reported. A total of about 30 couples were blessed. Well, I mean, several hundred people showed up and a total of 30 couples were blessed does not exactly translate. It's like generally, yes, at a big wedding, you tend to have maybe a couple hundred people, but that, that definitely does seem, to me at least, that you'd have several thousand for, you know, a total of a couple hundred. But... German government's LGBTQ plus commissioner called the service an important symbol for the demand to recognize and accept same-sex couples in the Roman Catholic Church. It's mainly thanks to the church's grassroots of the church's opening up more and more. Okay, no, it's not. That, so this is basically the biggest lie in the whole article. It's mainly thanks to the church's grassroots of the church's opening up more and more. Essentially, that's saying it's mainly thanks to real Catholicism that the church is opening up to this. This is the biggest lie of all time. This is essentially what causes all these other churches in America to expressively accept this. This, this is a lie they go to. They don't read much of the Bible. They say it's not talked about very much. And then they say it's the grassroots of the faith. It's the very roots of the faith. Of course, when you look historically, it's the very grassroots of every single opposite regime towards Israel. So why exactly is it the grass, grassroots of the faith again? How is that actually occurring? How is that actually 
how, how would that actually occur in support of Catholicism? Catholic believers in the colony Archdiocese have long protested their deeply divisive archbishop and have been leaving in droves over allegations that he may have covered up clergy sexual abuse reports. So just one question, just, just one slight question here. How is it exactly that indoctrinating youth isn't a sex crime, but your go-to is that the Catholic Church did sex crimes, so throw off tradition. That's your go-to. How exactly does that reference at all? You have to you have to be against both of those things. You have to be for for the whole entire abusive nature of the Catholic Church, for people to be against that, they have to be against soliciting people that don't know any better to these sort of ideologies. Th those are the same thing. Those are literally the same exact thing. That, that has to be the thing that actual Catholics stand for. Furthermore, in the future, I know that because they don't stand for that, there's definitely going to be an instance, there's definitely going to be an unfortunate instance, eventually, of a Catholic church to be completely opposite all of Catholicism. And of course, when that happens, and believe me, it will, they're going to claim it's the real Roman Catholic Church. And we simply can't stand for that. All right, going to get into a couple of these ending comments here. Uh, from the time when I did that question on a questionnaire on Facebook concerning alcohol. Someone says, Jesus turned water into wine. The Bible doesn't say not to drink. It says not to be drunk and to be of sober mind. Of course, yes. So, th so this is the most straightforward interpretation. This is the most straightforward, obvious conclusion. That I, I quite frankly, most of the time, I don't even understand how there's such a big debate about alcohol. And that's really why I did this alcohol question. There, there shouldn't be a debate about alcohol. Really, it should be so straightforward. The fact that it says, do not be drunk, but be of sober mind. Just that fact should tell you that alcohol is okay. So I, I, I yeah, I really don't understand why that is. And of course, the cultural attribution that Jesus himself did in fact turn water into wine. And that was one of the main miracles that most people reference when they talk about the Bible, obviously. So that, that should also be the straightforward conclusion to come to. Someone else says, I see nothing wrong with it as long as you don't let it be a stumbling block for yourself and others. I'm not very religious anymore, but that's my take on it. I, yeah, I don't know why I had to say uh, not that religious at the end, but yeah, pretty much there is nothing wrong with it as long as it isn't a stumbling block. Obviously, when it comes to the instance of being a stumbling block for yourself as well as others, obviously it will be a chain reaction. And yeah, there are people in Middle Eastern culture that definitely deal with alcoholism. So this, of course, isn't a support of alcoholism. And being in support of alcohol for a biblical standard is not support of alcoholism. Obviously, it shouldn't be a stumbling block for you. And if it is, then you need to get help from the church. Because really, I think in order to solve this problem, we need to go, as, as again, as I said before, we should look to more of a cultural standpoint 
of alcohol versus just a party lifestyle, right? Like there's, there's a lot of cultures out there in the Middle East as well as all over the world where people, they'll, they'll just party with alcohol. They won't take it necessarily in a cultural respect. They'll just simply drink until they can't see straight and they can't walk in a forward straight line. But when it comes to the church particularly, the first thing we should be looking at particularly is focusing on the sacraments, the sacramental part of alcohol instead of just looking at alcohol as utterly negative because then we'll actually see the biblical standard behind it and we'll see the biblical importance behind it. So thanks for everyone who commented. There were a lot of other comments, but I'm running out of time. That is our show today. Thanks for listening and stay safe. Bye now.